broadcasting from Mount Pleasant, Utah, this is the Sampete Horse Training Podcast. Sampete Horse Training's mission statement is simple, to send home a respectful, well-rounded, and well-broke horse that can handle a variety of situations. Hi, this is Eric Dent with Sampete Horse Training, and I have here with me today... I'm Anna, and I'm one of the horse trainers. So today we wanted to talk about... Two horses that we just got here a few days ago. Uh, many of you probably already know of our, about our Buy a Mustang program. This, press, this program is unique in that we go pick up the horse for you from the BLM and then train it for 6 to 12 months. And then once it's ready, and only when it's ready, we go ahead and send it home to you. So you can actually purchase these horses on our website. And they go home just absolutely, completely well broke horses that have been in the mountains a lot, as well as been exposed to a lot of uh, other experiences over that six to 12 months time. So we have a customer from the Salt Lake City area that purchased two of them. And we were able to pick them up. What day was it? Uh, last Friday. Last Friday. So and today is... Thursday, so we've been working for them just under with with them for just under a week. We started the first one on Friday, worked Friday, Saturday, and then we started the next one on Monday. And so that one's been worked with just, I guess, three times. We haven't worked with them yet today. So um, we just want to go through a little bit of our experiences with these horses for the first few days, and talk a little bit about the program and and some of the features of the program and the horses that that are a part of it. As we do this podcast right now, we have two availabilities for horses to be trained under this program. We're limiting this program to just a few horses every year so we can make sure that we turn out really, really good horses. So, Anna, why don't you tell us a little bit about the horse that you have been, had the chance to work with uh, since Monday of this week? All right. So the one I have is about two years old, little Sarl Gelding. Um, it's been kind of interesting. He's been the most personable Mustang we've had so far. Um, he's really interested in you uh, versus being more reactive. So he's been kind of fun to start. What, do you know which uh, area he came from? Yeah, he's somewhere in Wyoming. I'm not sure where, but... He is but, a Wyoming horse. So a lot of those Wyoming horses have got some draft influence in them. Um, and these guys are a little bit... Uh, well, they're an average Mustang size, I would say, probably right yeah. around 14 hands. Um, so they don't really look real big, but they did come from somewhere up in Wyoming. We picked them up at the Delta Utah facility back last Friday. So the horse I've been working with is a little bay gilding. He's also two years old, and um, he's he's been fun. He's He's a pretty smart horse. He anticipates everything. So very relatively sensitive. Um He's by far the pushiest Mustang I've had so far. He's he's definitely not afraid to be in your space. Basically, from day one, he hasn't had a problem with that. So, and that's been just a little bit different than some of the other ones that we've done in the past. And, and I think maybe the age might have just a little bit to do with that. So, so let's start out with the tough stuff. So, Anna, what's been the hardest part so far? Well, the hardest part for me is roping them, but hopefully with practice that I'll get a little bit better. But I think really uh, the hardest part with these is kind of figuring out uh, when that timing is going to come from when they're so reactive 
and you're doing the right thing to when it finally, uh, they start to finally think about it and uh, start to respond. They get going so, so much longer than a domestic course that you start to think, am I doing this right? What do I need to do differently? And then, and then it just clicks with them. It just seems to take a little bit longer than, than a domestic cults. So for our listeners that are listening today, we prefer to get these horses without a halter on them. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but really it boils down to the fact that even if we put the halter on, we still have to do the same work. We still got to teach them to be okay with the halter going up over their face and all that kind of a thing. We just prefer to, to do it the old fashioned way where they're not gonna get hung up with the halter in the trailer or, or you know any other place. I just really don't like having a halter on a horse. I've seen as a veterinarian some really big wrecks with horses that had halters left on and then they got it hung up on a fence or in a trailer or things like that. So we, even though the BLM says that we can um, run them through their chute and put a halter on them real quick, we just prefer to have them come in. So basically they're just just the horse with their little neck tag on them and that's why we rope them. So um, so Anna, how, how long did it take you from basically the, the time that we dumped them off in the round pen until you were able to have the halter on the horse? Um. About three hours. Okay. I don't know. So, so take us through the process on that. What did it What did it take to get him to the point where he would accept you standing next to him? Uh, so the from the very first time, you know, we always start with round pinning them, kind of get them moving their feet. And I think round pinning is a lot easier with mustangs than they are domestic colts because they are very very aware of you, uh, in the round pen, and so they're paying attention to you and your every movement, uh, and so. I think it's really important to get a good foundation and a good concept lesson with the round pinning. If that goes well, then once you've got them facing towards you, it's not, not too hard from there. So you just rope them right after that? Yep. Okay. So, and then once you get the rope on them, how do, how do, how do you go from be, them being a rope to actually getting the halter on them? Yeah. So once the rope is around them, um, we just kind of continue to send them around the round pen, get them used to the rope. This is a good time to desensitize them from afar. And so you kind of, you know, you're, you're able to flip the rope around them, get it underneath their tail, get it around their legs, get them kind of used to that and get a little bit more of their reactivity out and have them start thinking. Uh, once you've done that, you start to teach them to yield their hindquarters. And so you'll pull them towards you, and as they face you, you release and they kind of walk away. And you can spiral around them uh, kind of in a circle so that they're moving their hindquarters away. So the more you move their hind end, the easier it is to catch their face. I think a lot of people try to go right for the face, and then you're going to end up with the rear end. And so if you just flip it around, it makes it a lot easier. So once you're, you know, you're going around, you're spiraling and yielding them, you just kind of slowly inching up the rope once you get uh, within 10 feet of them. We, I usually like to get a stick and string uh, without the string attached to it. And I'll just start rubbing their face uh, kind of just like a foot in front of it until they get used to that. And touching them with the, with the stick isn't really, you know, they get a little nervous at the beginning, but it's really not that bad uh, for them. And so as you do that, you inch your hand up the up the stick and they're so focused on the stick that before they know it they've bumped your fingers a few times um and at that point i kind of take the stick and put it away and start using my hand and just start rubbing their face and get them desensitized to it and um 
I like doing it without the halter on, especially because I feel like if the halter was already on and then you clipped a lead rope on it, they'd probably panic because suddenly they're feeling the pressure of the halter on their face. This way, you're getting them used to putting the halter on. They already know it's there as you're tightening it up, you know, tightening up the halter. And so once the halter's on, then you just start from as if it's a domestic coal and just start teaching them some exercises. So when you were working with the stick, getting them to, to accept being touched by the stick, and on the past we've had a few horses that have tried to strike at us when we start doing this with their front feet. Did you see that at all with this colt? This one I didn't. So the last one I did uh, did strike, and so you really got to make sure to stay, not stay in front of him, stay off to the side a little bit. With him, he was quite pushy with his head. Uh, and so just really subtle. And if you don't pay attention to that, uh, the next step is going to be striking and biting. And so he would push his head against my hand. And so I just put my fingers kind of near his eye. So it's a little sensitive right there. And so when he would push, he'd almost be pushing against himself and it'd be uncomfortable. Um, so immediately I kind of had to work on pushing his face away from me because in that in that short of a time, he was already trying to push me around. So I had somebody tell me one time that if the horse tries to strike at you, then you're putting too much pressure on him. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, but I also feel like you're getting into their into their space, and they're pretty reactive, and they're trying to figure out how to get you away. So I think if you go about doing it the right way and watching the signs, um, then you know you're not really gonna have to worry about the striking so much if you're not right in front of them and yeah, putting too much pressure on them. Yeah, I can do that as well. I've always thought when it comes to this that, well, first of all, if you don't ever have a horse strike at you, you're probably not pushing them hard yeah. enough. <laughs> um, that you're really not being effective as a trainer. But, but the other thing that I think of when I when I hear a question like that is just that, honestly, horses are going to try to find a way out of whatever the pressure is you're putting on them. And sometimes the striking is not like a, hey, I'm going to come after you and kill you type of a strike. They're just thinking in their mind, I wonder what happens if I strike. Maybe he'll stop, you know, or she'll stop putting the pressure on me. So it's really more, in some ways, a thinking stage, right? So they, yeah. they're kind of thinking their way through this, like, hey, I wonder what happens if I strike at him. Maybe that'll get him to go away. And then you just kind of ignore them and make them realize that's not the answer. Yeah, and I feel like this has a lot to do with them biting. Because if you watch horses, whenever they're interested in something, or nervous of something, they're sticking their face out and touching it with their nose. And so uh, they're going to start nosing you around, and biting is something that I think every single one has tried so far. Yeah, definitely the one that I've been working with. He's, he's tried it a few times. And So what do you do in those cases? They, you're working with them, and like, like for example, the one time that I saw it actually yesterday was I was trying to teach him to, to flex his head and neck, and and he just couldn't figure it out so then he was thinking and decided to try to nibble on my on my coat and so what do you do in those instances where they do try to bite you but it's in a thinking sense not a bear bear their teeth and try to kill you sort of a bite yeah so mine actually did this last night when i started the flexing um and they're just interested in trying to find the answer and so making sure you know you're not releasing at that point and teaching them that that's the answer but you're also just kind of ignoring it at this point uh, once they're being belligerent and disrespectful, then you're not definitely not going to ignore it. But at this point, they're just trying to find the answer, and it's just one of the steps. Yeah. So, um, 
what's uh what's been your biggest frustration with the horse so far well so far so he he his automatic response is to kind of put his head up and run uh so especially teaching him lunging one way he is great he's got his head down he's really soft to the halter and then the other way he just wants to run and it's a difficult one to teach because you're wanting him to move forward uh, and their natural instinct is to run away from you and you're kind of creating that in a sense and so it's just that barrier of getting them to figure out and think through the process that all they're having to do is just go around in a circle and once they're soft and quiet then they get a stop and not just pull through the halter we had a person put a little comment on one of our instagram posts here a little while back that that said that they're they're not ever frustrated with their horse because if they were frustrated, frustrated, then that would mean that they were being ineffective. So why don't you answer or respond to that and, and tell us whether or not you think that's correct. And then I'm going to, I'm going to give my opinion on this. Too. All right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I think that if you're not frustrated, then you're not, you know, you're not pushing them hard enough. It's kind of the same thing. Where if you're not, if you haven't fallen off your horse, then maybe it's because you're not riding hard enough. Uh, it's, it's just part of getting them to learn something. And if they're always, you know, if you're, they're always responding, then maybe you're not quite asking enough of them. Yeah. That's to me, this is very much like parenting. If I just absolutely love my kids and they're just amazing angels, then I'm probably not asking them, asking them to do their homework. Right? Yeah, and they're probably <laughs> not angels. Yeah. So um, you know, I just, I had to laugh at that comment because, you know, in my opinion, if you're not frustrated with your horse, you're either God and the best horse trainer ever, <laughs> or you're just not, you're not expecting enough out of them. And I think any trainer that, that really is not occasionally frustrated is really just not doing their job. I just kind of had to laugh at that just a little bit. So, um, my biggest frustration with this cult that I've been dealing with has just been that he anticipates everything. Uh, you were out there yesterday when yeah. I was when I was trying to teach him to to flex his head and neck, and boy, he thought that meant to yield his hindquarters. And and we went around. It probably took a good 45, 50, maybe even 60 minutes to get him to finally do it. Not on his left side; he was good on his left, but on the right, he just wanted to yield. And so I had to go to resorting to making that yielding a very difficult thing. We used backing and then this real high intensity lunging exercise to get him to realize that, hey, yielding is not the answer. So I basically made, anytime he yielded, I, I would really uh, make him work hard and then I'd go right back in there. And then if he'd stand, I'd release the pressure and let him sit there with me standing in that position. But this has been a really uh, frustrating thing with this horse. And we've had a few other horses, even domestic colts that have done this. I kind of like this in some ways because these horses are generally pretty smart horses. And once they figure stuff out, they, they are very easy to teach stuff especially the riding exercises that we do. Um, but it's it was a definite frustration yesterday. I was like, gosh, just wish he would just stop and let me, you know, teach him how to flex. And so that's been my biggest frustration at this point. Yeah, I was getting a little dizzy watching you guys. Yeah. Uh, we should have put a counter on him. How many time, How many revolutions did we do? I bet yeah. there was at least a, maybe a thousand. <laughs> so, all right. So um, as you've dealt with this uh, cult so far and we've we've really only i guess worked with each other's or with with the one horse so far mm -hmm. you're going to work with uh, and, uh with both of them tomorrow but um, we both 
basically just stuck with the one horse so far. So what's been the diciest moment so far, maybe the most dangerous thing that you've seen um, with this particular cult that you're working with? With this one, um, and the funny thing is I knew it was going to happen too, but uh, when you're trying to get them to go through a small passage kind of between you and like a fence, so I'm trying to get him to pass through, and he, I, you know, I yield him, and he automatically expects that he's going to be sent the other way, and so he goes, and I don't want him to go, and so then he gets nervous and rushes by, and so I know it's going to happen, and so I get after him beforehand, and his initial response is to go straight up, and so you just get reactive, and uh, at this point, there's a lot of jumping to the side, jumping up, jumping backwards, and, you know, the hooves are sometimes at your eye level. Uh, and so, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of exciting for the first couple days. Yeah. I haven't really had a whole lot of dangerous things with this one, but, um, you know, there's, it's always a dangerous job. And I, I think one of the things that I've learned over the years is make sure you're standing in the right place. There were several times I could have gotten hurt with this cold if I'd been directly in front of them, but standing, you know, 45 degrees off of that, uh, that shoulder so that they don't have a tendency to be able to get to you with their hind feet or with their front feet or to run sideways over the top of you. Um, so, and then also respecting the ropes that you're working with. If you ever get tangled up in a rope and you're hooked to the end of a Mustang, it's going to be a really bad <laughs> ending to that. And so, um, but you know, this can be done safely for sure, even when you're kind of moving along pretty quick. So, Anna, what do you think, uh, when are we going to have these guys saddled, and when do you think we're going to have the first ride on them? We've been working, you've been working with yours three days, and I've been working with mine for, I've done five, uh, six, five days. Yeah. So, what do you think? Uh, gosh, probably a week, more for mine. Um, I've already got the rope around his belly, and so he's already kind of desensitized to where the, uh, where the cinch has gone, and I'm already able to get all the way back to his tail with my hands and everything um and you know the second the second day was all right but yesterday had a lot of progression so from here on out it's going to be just like any domestic cult we'll have him ready to go ready to be saddled here pretty soon yeah i'd certainly think we'd be would be on him within two weeks at the very latest latest so um what has been the one thing that your cult has been the most afraid of so far yeah, mine's been afraid of the sound, so he's not too afraid of me. You know, he gets a little nervous of uh, my, you know, fast movements and stuff, but I'm easily able to just do it a few times, then he stops. Uh, but he's really struggled with the sound, so when I slap the lead rope on the ground, he just automatically jumps and wants to run away. And so we've really had to work, work on that. The biggest issue that mine has had would have to be the head shyness. I actually kind of get a kick out of this because, you know, these horses basically have never been touched. And yeah. most people that, you know, see a head shy horse, what's the first thing they think? Oh, it's in pain. Yeah. It doesn't want you up there. It doesn't yeah. like it. <laughs> Someone's been beating it, yeah. right? Like all this bull crap. And I mean, it's just, that's just a horse. Horses don't want people touching their head. Maybe not every horse, but there are some that don't. And this particular cult that I'm working with, he does not like his ears touched. He doesn't like anything touched between his ears on his pole, even kind of the side of the neck up in that region. He's real, real head shy. Um, and that's something that we worked on a little bit today. This will take just a few days to get out of him. Basically lots and lots of just touching him up there. And when he relaxes, pulling, pulling the hand away. 
Um, but that's something that I've noticed with mine. That's been the single thing that he's been most afraid of is basically anything up around his ears or right on the top of his pole. So, um, so what did you think? We went out to the BLM to pick these guys up. What did you think about uh, the selection we had this time to, to kind of pick through? That was so different from last time. Uh, not, not as much color and maybe not as much uh, variety of, of ages, but I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point. They're all going to have the same training experience. They're all going to end up the same horse. Uh, but really, I mean, I think people automatically want a certain color and they want a certain size, but at the end of the day, if they are able to go on a, on a great trail ride or a bad trail ride, I don't think they're really worried about the color and the size. And so, I mean, the selection's already always, uh, pretty average. Um, sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, but really it's, it doesn't really matter in, in, from a training perspective. Yeah. I think it's always funny how people want some very specific thing, but really at the end of the day, it's the training that makes the horse and, and people can be happy with just about any horse. There were a lot of, uh, younger horses this time around that we were able to take a look at it. Quite a few of those were sale authority as well. So it was nice to be able to kind of pick between the adoption and the sale authority animals. For those of you that don't know the difference between those, uh, basically any horse that's in the BLM facility is available for adoption and then the sale authority um, are, are able to be purchased outright. They become your property as you drive them off the property of the BLM and they have to have what they call three strikes where they've basically been passed over for adoption three times or if they're older than 10. So basically 11 year olds or older and we can do those as well, basically purchase those from the BLM as a cell authority horse. So this time around, there was a lot of younger cell authority animals, which is something that we hadn't necessarily seen in the past. But I, I really think these two, two colts are really nice colts. I don't think we're gonna have any problem. They weren't by any means some sort of substandard type of an animal. So um, why don't we talk a little bit just for a second here about the cell authority horses. So. Uh, last October, almost exactly a year ago, we went and got two sale authority horses, a five-year-old mare and a 13-year-old gilding. Um, for those that would be interested in the Buy a Mustang program, um, what do you think about ages? We, we did that 13-year-old gilding. We've actually still got him here on our property today. Went on a big, long ride up on the mountain with him yesterday. Um, for those of you that would like to see him, he's a big buckskin gilding that um, is on our Instagram page that uh, we just barely posted a post on the 16th of October of him riding up on the mountain, um, about a three and a half hour long ride, about 15 to 20 mile long ride and through some really steep country. And uh, he's, he's really a good horse. So what do you think about training older horses? Yeah, so they're a lot more flighty. So with the experience I've had, I dealt with a lot more of the biting and the striking and the kicking uh, and just wanting to get away and reactive and nervous with the older horses. Now, with the younger one, it's, it's kind of interesting because you're fighting the reactivity and the curiosity at the same time. So one minute they're scared, and then the second minute they're trying, the second time, then they're trying to, to mess with the rope from the halter, and then they're reactive again. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting. I would say they're, they're just both so different. Yeah. So this uh, 13, he's 14-year-old gilding now um, that we started last year. He's turned into a really, really good horse. It, it took him quite a while 
to get used to people just kind of in general. Um, it was about four or five months before he'd even eat with us watching him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember just the other day I, ha I had him, uh, I was going to feed him and it was the first time I ever heard him nicker when, uh, when he saw me coming to, to feed. And so that kind of one of those things where he's acting a little bit more like a horse. We also saw him the other day for the very first time. For a long time, we'd tie him up, and he wouldn't even move a muscle for eight hours straight. He'd just stand there. And we saw him the other day where he knew it was feeding time, and so he started to paw a little bit. And I was like, man, that, that's the first time I've ever seen that horse do that. So that was a little bit different. So, um, so kind of interesting. But really, at this stage, I'd say he's pretty much just like any other horse, maybe just a little bit more reactive. But I think that he was always a little bit more of a sensitive type anyway. I don't know that that was mm -hmm. his age as much as it was just him being a, kind of a more hot-blooded type. So so what do you think? Which one would you rather have, older or younger? Oh, gosh. Well, right now, I'm actually really enjoying doing the younger ones, so they're a little bit more annoying. But I don't know. I kind of I kind of don't mind it. So Yeah, I'd say it's a little easier, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's yeah, for <laughs> sure. It's a lot easier. I've noticed, too, I mean, the very first time we put one in the stall, which is about day two or three, was filling up the water, and they're drinking out of it. And while I'm filling it up with the hose, uh, I mean, it took the other, you know, the 13-year-old the gelding months before he'd even do that. And he still kind of struggles with it now. He's still on the other end, uh, hesitantly putting his head down. You know, so it's, I don't know, they're both so different. Yeah. I, I think, I, and, and we're only a few days into this, so it's really yeah, hard to it, answer this question right now. I might change my mind. <laughs> um, but I think for me... If I had to pick one or the other, I think I'd go with the older ones just because I'd rather deal with the reactivity and the and the, them being very afraid of stuff than being mouthy and being in their space and all that kind of stuff. I just prefer a more reactive horse, and that's just a personal preference. But, um, but yeah, they're definitely very different, especially from the amount of time that it took. I, you know, just we've got these horses probably twice as far right now than we did the one last, the ones last year. Yeah, that yeah. Were, maybe three times. Yeah. So. <laughs> But they all make good horses, and that's one of the reasons why we picked a 6- to 12-month window is we want to make sure these horses are going home completely broke. Um, there will be some of them that probably go home at 6 months, some that go home at 12. We anticipate most of them going home between 7 and 9 months. But we just want to give ourselves that latitude where we know that we're sending home a really, really, really good horse, not just training for a you know prescribed number of days and then and then hoping that it turns out well we we can be very assured that they're good horses by the time they go home and really old versus young it won't really matter by the time we get to that point so well anna what else do you want to tell the audience about your mustang or your experience in the first few days well, he's already better than yours. Yeah, so. I think so. <laughs> we'll see about that. We need to have a race to the first ride, yeah. but <laughs> we'll see. So, well, I hope everybody's enjoyed this podcast. Uh, go on over to our website, sampetehorse.com. We have availability for two Mustangs as of the 17th of October to still be purchased. We're going we're gonna, to uh, cap it out at that number um, of additional horses on top of the ones that we're currently training so that we can make sure we have a good product out there. Um, and so if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call. It's 435-462-1311 or go to sampetehorse.com. You can actually purchase the horse on the website and we go get it for you and we train it. And then we, uh, when we're done, you can either come pick it up or we can deliver it to your place. So really excited about this program and and these horses are going to just be amazing horses i think some of the best horses in the country as far as 
good solid mountain trail horses go.